you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is session eight of my Genesis podcast. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. Our subject is fear, faith, and favor in the life of Isaac. I'm going to call this entire lesson Faith, Fear, and Favor. Because I think as Christians today, we're all kind of going around in a cycle of that. We're tempted by fear a lot, but we are also living a life of faith. And because we have accepted this gift of grace from the Lord, we have his favor. So let's start with the first part of Genesis chapter 26. Now there was a famine in the land that explains the parched earth picture that you just looked at, a famine. So Isaac has inherited everything that his father had and his father was extremely, extremely wealthy. And he and his wife have been married for some time, over 20 years, and they finally have those twin boys that we're gonna talk about next week. Besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, now you've got all of these servants and people that you need to care for. I mean, a generation ago, his dad had 300 men of military age, not to even mention their wives and kids that were his employees. And so this is a lot of people to support. And now, day after day after day, you go outside and you look up in the sky and it's nothing but blue sky and you look and the ground is starting to crack and you start to have a clenched stomach and you're thinking, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And the watering holes that the animals are going to are starting to dry up. And the ones that haven't dried up are getting further and further apart from each other. And the flocks are having to spread out further and further. And you're wondering if they're gonna be secure because what if a group of them got off too far and then were attacked? And so fear begins to set in. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Now that's what his father Abraham had done. Maybe you remember that story that we covered earlier. There had been a famine in Canaan where God called Abraham to, and so he just went and rode it out in Egypt. But God is saying to him, stay right here where it's parched and dry. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you for to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. Stars of heaven? Well, I just have the two boys. And will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And that's starting to sound like an echo because he was with his dad for decades before his dad passed away. And he knew the stories. He knew that his dad had told him, God has promised this to us. And why was he blessed again? 
Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Faith and obedience bring blessing. And so that's exactly what has happened here. And this is the ripple effect, the wonderful favor of God. So here in this story so far, we see fear because there's a famine, but we also see favor and do you remember in Romans where it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Okay, well, there's no Bible in this story, but there's the direct word of God to Isaac. He's telling him, I will bless you and your offspring. And the whole world is going to be blessed through you. And you know how that happened. They became the nation through which Christ came and Christ offers salvation to anyone who will come. And so Isaac settled in Gerard. Do you see how that's faith? The evidence of faith is obedience. He thought it would be better to go down to Egypt and ride out the famine because no matter how dry it gets, you can stay right there by the Nile River, right? And the Nile River is too huge really to ever go dry. So even if it doesn't rain for three years, I mean, you've got the water supply right in front of you. And it doesn't take any faith to know that that's going to be there tomorrow and the next day. But the Lord wanted Abraham's descendants there in the land of Canaan. And so I can show you on the map here, all of his journeyings you can see that the journeys of Isaac are in the, the purple here. And I'll point to it. He was down in this area in the southern part of Canaan, but still quite a bit north and east of where he would have gone if he went down to Egypt to ride out the famine by the Nile. So he lets his, uh, his faith take the, the form of obedience, and he decides to stay right there where it's parched because he believes that God will see him through. And so that's part one of this lesson with fear and faith and favor, and God's promise is strong and heavy on Isaac, reminds me of the verse in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Isn't that so beautiful? And so then we come to the second part of Genesis 26, and Again, it's faith and fear and favor, but it's a different story. So Isaac settled in Gerar, we just said that, and when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister. Now, this was another case of a man marrying a really beautiful, beautiful woman. Sarah, his mother, had been so beautiful that even in her older age, Abraham was afraid that she might be taken into the king's harem. Here we have this same thing. This beautiful Rebecca, 20 years younger than him, is with him. And they're settled here in Gerar. And he's thinking, you know, it's very possible that these people that I don't know and really don't have a good relationship with could kidnap my wife. And they might kill me if they thought I was her husband. So maybe it would just be better off if we did it the way mom and dad did it all those years ago and we just pretended to be brother and sister. 
And so when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister, for he feared. So here we go again. Faith and fear and favor. Here's the fear part. So this is not a natural thing like the famine had been a natural thing. Now he's afraid to be bold and reveal his relationships. He feared to say my wife thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. This is interesting. The old King James translates it sporting, and uh, other translations are like flirting or being affectionate. But can you just imagine some sort of a back and forth between a husband and a wife? They're outside, and he sees her across the way, and the Philistine king's looking out the window, and he says, you are a good-looking woman or something like that. And he says something like, come over here. And she says, uh, no, I'm busy. You'll have to catch me. And then he's running off after her, and then he grabs her, and they're laughing, and she's giggling. And this was truly a love match. I told you before that the scripture hints in several places that their relationship was a romantic and loving one, not just a marriage of convenience. So here they are, just flirting and laughing. And don't forget that the name Isaac means laughter. And so maybe he's kissing her, maybe he's hugging her, maybe she's squealing, I don't know. But it, the king looks out the window and he's thinking, brother and sister, my foot, no way. And so he is horrified that he's been lied to and he confronts Isaac about it. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she's my sister? Isaac said, because I thought lest I die because of her. So here is this man who had enough faith to stay in a parched and dry land instead of go sit by the river, the Nile River, during a famine. But now... He doesn't have enough faith in his God who said, I'm going to bless the whole world through you, that he believes that God can keep him and his wife from all danger where they've been told to live. Abimelech said, what is this you've done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have, been brought, you would have brought guilt upon us. Now that's hard for me to understand. She isn't going to consent to that. So were they surrounded by a bunch of rapists? I don't know what he thought was going to happen, but he wanted Isaac to be bold. And how sad when the world has to tell us that we ought to be bold about our relationships. Some of us are half afraid to tell people that we're Christians. And uh, we try to downplay things and keep things quiet at work because, you know, really if they knew I was his... They might treat me different, and that wouldn't be too good. I'm scared. So you see the fear creeping up here again. And Abimelech is the one that has to tell him, stand up and be a man and be bold and say what your relationships really are. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. 
So just the opposite of what he thought was going to happen, he thought that when it became clear that Rebecca was his wife, that they might say, arrest that man and put him to death and let's take her and we'll either put her in the king's harem or one of the high up bosses right under the king will take her to wife. But instead, what he actually gets is blanket protection from the king. The king says, oh, she's your wife? Well, I'll make sure that no one touches her. In other words, favor once again, fear and faith and favor. You can trust the Lord because he will take care of you if you walk in obedience. And what he had been told to do was stay there in Canaan. So he stayed there in Canaan and the king protected him. Even though he acted in fear and he should have been more bold, he should have looked the king right in the eye and said, yes, she is my wife. From the very beginning, but the Lord was gracious to him. The blessing of the Lord was upon him. And that reminds me of this two important scriptures from Hebrews 11, that famous hall of faith scripture where you go right down the Old Testament chronology of people whose lives were these marvelous examples of faith. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we don't see. So when he didn't know how it was going to turn out, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen when people find out that this drop-dead gorgeous woman is my wife. I'm not sure. But I am going to trust that the Lord that told me to settle here and that brought her to me as my wife and that said that we would be blessed and that the whole world would be blessed through us is going to keep us through this security problem that seems like a little bit of a snag. Also, Hebrews 11, verse 6, you get down a few verses and it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. And so also reminds me of uh, what Ralph Waldo Emerson said, your actions speaks aloud that I can't hear what you say. And so maybe we would have said at the time, Isaac, do you trust the God of your father Abraham? And he would have said, yes, I do. But we're going to tell people we're brother and sister. You know what I mean? Your actions are speaking so loud that I can't hear your profession of faith. But that was part two of faith, fear, and favor. So now we get to the most substantial part of the chapter of faith, fear, and favor, and we see the whole cycle again. Now, here comes a fight. So fasten your seatbelt, here we go. And Isaac sowed in that land. I guess eventually the famine must have been over. The storm clouds came and the rain fell and things began to grow. And so now he's not just a herdsman, but maybe he's going to sow some seed, wonder where he went to buy all of that seed. Maybe he sent some of his employees to a big city and it was being sold in the market. But he sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Everything this man touches turns to gold because of the favor of the Lord. And the favor of the Lord is God's grace because of his faith. You know, because ultimately we're all saved, Old Testament and New Testament, by the blood of Christ through grace and faith. 
but he sows and it's just a bumper crop. I mean, you couldn't have timed the rains any better. You look outside and here come those plants and they're healthy and there's no bugs. And you send your men out there to do their harvesting and they're just getting sackful after sackful. And people are smiling and laughing when the harvest time comes and the guy comes back from the market after selling cartloads of the stuff. And he's just saying, we got top dollar for this, God's blessing. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich. Well, he already was rich, but it's just the rich get richer. What did we read back there a few slides ago? The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Now there's lots of different ways to be rich and we're not promised physical possessions necessarily in this life, but the Lord does just make us rich in relationships and in peace and in joy and in all sorts of wonderful things when we put our faith in him. And he gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the, oops, the conflict came, rats. So living a life for God can have great blessings in it, but there's always a bump in the road. There's always a problem. There's always a conflict. There's always a test. And so the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. If you've been in church a long time, you might recall that this scripture has been used in a lot of revival services. And so Abraham, years and years before, when he had traversed that land with all of his flocks and herds, he had gone to various places where there wasn't enough uh, groundwater, I mean, obvious ponds and streams, and he had had his men dig wells, and that is hard work. You know, it has to be pretty big around, and you're putting rope ladders down there, and you're hauling dirt out, and maybe you're hitting big old rocks, and maybe some of them are boulders, and it's quite the effort to get several guys down in this hole that they've dug by hand and haul this big old boulder out of there. It's hours and hours of labor but for some reason, the Philistines went and stopped those all up. So this is a picture of a time when the blessing of the Lord and his life-giving water is not available. Why would they do that? Well, they must not have wanted other people to come and settle there. But they weren't using that life-giving water, and they didn't want anybody else to have it either. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away. You're much mightier than we. So we've got envy and strife. And now we don't have goodwill with the local people and they're pushing him out. And not only that, it would have been so convenient for all those hundreds and hundreds of animals to have had access to those wells that his father's people had so painstakingly dug. And you go, you see one in the distance and you go, oh, great well. And you get up there and you go, it's all stopped up. Now it's completely full. I have to redig it. Well, we can expect that there's going to be conflict in relationships and difficulties. And so Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father. You ever remember hearing that as a revival time preacher scripture? Dig again the wells of your father. 
Let's go back to those relationship times with God when things were fresh and the water was flowing and people were coming to him, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. Okay, things are looking up. It's pretty good. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, in other words, that's a real bonus. I mean, it's one thing to dig a well and you go, wow, we hit water. And then you test the water and it doesn't have sulfur in it. It doesn't smell bad. It's clear. It's clean. People don't get sick when they drink it. Oh, this is great. We're so glad to have this well. But then when you dig a well and there's much pressure down there that it just comes up like a water fountain and you don't even have to put your bucket down it. All you have to do is just hold out your cup. Wow, that is fantastic. So it was an artesian well. They found there a well of spring water. And the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, the water is ours. So here comes the enemy and they want to take it away because they're envious. And so he called the name of the well conflict, Isek, or contention, because they contended with him. This was a hard time. And Isaac was a man of peace, and he was a gentle man, and he wasn't necessarily a real aggressive person. And so anytime he could avoid a confrontation, he just backed off. So then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called its name hatred, Sitna, hatred. So contention and hatred, Boy, it's not always that easy to live for God. It's just one roadblock after another, it seems. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they didn't quarrel over it. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Finally, Lord. So he called its name Room, Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there... He went to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Let's see, what was the overarching theme of this lesson again? Wasn't it fear and faith and favor? And so he tells him, fear not. All of those guys that belong to Abimelech, you know, you see them coming on the horizon and they're armed. And you think, oh, no, not again. What do they want now? What are they upset about now? And they come walking up and they say, hey, we see here you found yourself an artesian well. Well, it's on our property and we're taking it. So you people can just get lost if you don't want trouble. Oh, boy. Well, I sure don't want trouble. And I would really hate to lose the lives of some of my men. So, guys, maybe we better just go. And he was living in fear. The Lord says, fear not, for I am with you and I will bless you. I thought we already covered that. Oh, but sometimes the Lord has to reassure us, doesn't he? He has to remind us and his promises are repeated in his wonderful word. I'll bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there. That sounds like faith to me, doesn't it, you? and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. 
When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with the husband, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? So here's time number four. They've dug another well, and here they come again. But he's just gotten this promise from God. God said, Don't fear, and I will bless you. And they said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. Let's see, what did he do? He built an altar, right? He showed faith, and here comes the blessing. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we've not touched you and have done to you nothing but good. Oh, yeah, right, nothing but good. No matter where we go, you run us off. And have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Are you telling me that it's possible that the Lord can make those difficult relationships that clench your stomach in your family or at work or in your neighborhood? He can make them right. He can give you peace. So he made them a feast. It was fear and fighting. And now it's a feast. The very people that when they were coming, he thought, oh no, what do they want? And he was scared of them. Now he's having his servants set tables and they've got barbecue on and they're getting ready to serve a lot of guys. In the morning, they rose early and exchanged oaths and Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. You see the king there on the right side with his crown on and there's Isaac with his hand raised and the sword is in the sheath and that's because there is no war, there is no conflict, there is no anger, there's only promises to cooperate and to be friends. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they've dug and said to him, we found water. So we're not promised a conflict-free life, but we're promised that the Lord will bring us through each time and that his favor will rest on us as we turn from fear to faith. You catching that? We found water, and so he called it oath. And the reason that he called it oath is because the Hebrew word for well and the Hebrew word for oath, they sound almost the same, so it's a play on words. The well of the oath, in other words, the well of the compact between people who used to be at odds with each other. No more conflict. We're friends with these people now. It was a trial for a while, but the Lord came and he told me not to be afraid and he gave me favor. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beer Sheba to this day. So first there was contention and fighting, but then the Lord made room. And not only did he make room, he actually made his enemies to be at peace with him. And that reminds me of Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so I'm going to take that scripture and I'm going to file it away in my heart. And when I am faced with conflicts, not of my own making or that I cannot help. I'll just hold them up to God and say, oh, dear Lord, you said that if we would respond to you in faith and walk in obedience and do the best we know how to do, you would give us favor even with our enemies. 
this podcast has been a blessing to you, please pass it along.